0: American Education FM everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Welcome, welcome to Friday, everybody. Let me get right into this here. I've got two parts to this particular podcast that I want to bring up this episode. And the first, I want to handle again some interschool news and some of the interschool things that are happening and documents that have been tossed my way that are certainly worth bringing up and analyzing because they are remarkably unfortunate. Um, I also want to highlight at the very top of this episode in this particular part, a particular <laughs> education podcast, which is about as embarrassing as it gets <clears throat> from two uh, people who call themselves teachers, and they're remarkably unprofessional, and you're going to hear it, and I've again highlighted it in the past, and it's a podcast titled Teachers Who Drink, so yeah. Um, Fortunately, by the grace of God, they've narrowed down their podcast to one episode a month, and I'm hoping that it's because no one is listening, but I'm listening, and people need to know that these people are out there. Not to mention, if you take into account the school law episode that I brought up, what these two women are doing in their podcast is a fireable offense. The way that they talk, the things that they say, they're basically hating on everybody and everything, while cursing throughout the entire thing. All of that, again, is conduct unbecoming of an educator, and it should cost them their jobs. Again, one of them, at the very least, teaches around the Indianapolis area of Indiana, and the other, I'm not entirely sure, but certainly somewhere in, in a surrounding state, either Ohio or Kentucky, something. Um, but that's, that's what I want to cover in part one. Part two, I've got a few articles to go over, um, a few more recent things, Regarding the jab and what's coming down the line here and again some more word manipulation that's taking place even at Walgreens and this was tossed my way by my aunt and it's again a perfect example of what they're doing from a corporate standpoint to trick as many people as they can to get these booster shots so with all of that said I want to toss out this reminder too because I'm probably gonna start doing this a little more often is the my bit shoot channel Um, American Education FM on BitChute. My recommendation is you check that out if you haven't already. I toss on This Is War videos uh, almost on a daily to nightly basis, and I'm going to start tossing on a few other videos from time to time that I come across that I think are worth repeating and certainly worth throwing on the channel. So they might be videos that have popped up on Telegram or popped up other places, but you know I, I know not everybody's on Telegram and not everybody's on Gab and So I'm just trying to use, again, that platform to sort of summarize some material and and bring it to people so that they can, you know, pass it on to somebody else maybe and educate themselves and others and make their own decisions. So there you go. But uh, don't forget to check out the Bitchute channel as well. Okay, so teachers who drink. Let's get into this nonsense. Again, I'm going to play, I want to play the whole thing. Um, it, this particular episode is their most recent from September 16th. And it's 13 minutes long. I'm just going to start in and I'm going to play approximately half of it. But at the end, um, they just kind of go on this cursing tirade. And again, they just pretty much make fun of countless people. But make sure that um, you have 911 on speed dial in case you start to taste pennies or smell burnt toast. Because listening to these individuals talk is about the hardest thing you're going to have to do. So with that said, here we go. This is the most recent episode of Teachers Who Drink, which again, unprofessional title to say the least. These are public school teachers, two females, and the title is Inundation Consternation. Buckle up. I hope you're sitting down and I hope you're not driving an automobile.
1: Teachers Who Drink is a safe and confidential space for storytelling. All identities are protected. Hello, everybody, and welcome. To teachers who drink. I'm Mary B. I'm Annie B. Welcome, y'all. This is our September edition. September edition. Yeah. So if you're not familiar, you haven't been listening, we did cut it down. We did like change it up to do it just once a month. Mm -hmm. Um, And just due to, you know, lives right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, we've got life. Yeah, That's what's we, happening. Lives um, happening. Um, um, we appreciate like feedback from you guys who have been avid listeners of ours for a while. Um, we're also, we've, we came to the realization this summer that like, it's just, we're all getting burnt out on the same conversations of COVID and impacts of that. And so we're trying to not, uh over, you know, completely overdrive your lives with that as a topic so we try to keep a little more fresh on the up and up with what we're discussing which makes it a little easier for only doing them so often too we're all being inundated is the bottom line yes there you go inundated inundated is actually a good theme for today because our our situation we're going to talk about was an inundation of instructions yes something we got something we got from a listener so um So, as you know, obviously, unfortunately, still not what we would all constitute as a normal school year coming up. Um, And so we have schools in the area that are, like, always telling teachers to, like, be prepared to go online anytime, which I do understand that, like, and I'd say, too, by be prepared, let's all be mentally prepared to get ready to do that and maybe have some stuff there that you're already, like, it's an easy transition for when, if you have to do that. And, like, just...
0: Just so you know, when you hear the buzzing... In the audio, the buzzing is on their end. It's not on my end. It has to do with their recording devices, not mine. Just letting you know.
1: Prepared. Yeah, to get ready to do that. And maybe have some stuff there that you're already, like, it's an easy yeah. transition for when, if you have to do that. And, like, just because to commiserate on what we all know is happening, some places are going so far as to, like, the moment on a Tuesday at... Ten, thirteen. when they realize how many close contacts have come into play, sometimes schools are being dismissed to send multiple classrooms or whole grade levels home. Sometimes they're waiting until the end of the day and then they're saying, starting tomorrow, we're going to be virtual for two weeks and such and such. So it's all across the board, but it's like this very impending feeling of A, being ready on a dime for anything that could happen and B, If you're a logical think-harder-not-smarter teacher, you've been using so much more infused lessons with technology anyways because of COVID. So naturally, even if you're in person, you're still bringing that into your classroom to make it an easy transition if it has to happen, right? Yeah. So, like, we all know, you know, we've got... um, the, uh, learning platforms, right? Learning networks, like yeah. Canvas, Moodle. Blackboard, all Moodle, Moodle. Moodle. Oh my God, Moodle. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I Moodle. And I and think it was such so... a weird name. I was like, why is it called Moodle? It's so horrible. I was like, it sounds bad Moodle after Moodle. Moodle you know doodle is what it sounds like to me. Oh, you did the doodle. Like, what's this? And so I just was like, Oh, I don't like the name of it. But anyway, so I know, um, I'm pretty familiar with Canvas, yeah. which is which is one of those learning platforms, especially for when you do e-learning, and you can definitely have things set up in there, pretty easy for people to navigate. But it also can be quickly overwhelming for students because you really and got here, yeah. here, so You got to think about that because if you were to upload everything you're doing for whatever amount of time for a single it's lesson, it's a, of a day. lot of stuff. Well, so the other thing too that I I find interesting is this is that you have also some scenarios where the person who's using Canvas is totally putting up every single item that they can of the lesson. And when COVID first hit, especially last fall, when a lot of places were saying, we're going to be virtual until like mid-September, right? And however things play out, we'll figure it out then. A lot of teachers were under really strict guidelines for what they included in their lessons online. And then the funny part was, was if you actually talked to, like I knew a few high schoolers in our family, and so we'd have family events and I'd ask them like, or middle schoolers say, so how's it going now? It quickly went from at the start of the year we were on a Zoom for a strict amount of time. We were in our canvas and yeah. had to do five or six step pieces in canvas mm-hmm. and it quickly turned into in January. Um I have to be on for about 30 minutes and then I just do my own uh, yeah. you know this is what I'm I'm supposed to get a, to autotomic autotomic this time, like yeah. lesson. Yeah. So so we got a message from a listener. Um, you know who's a, who's a teacher obviously. I guess not obviously it could be a parent. Anyway, <laughs> it's not I don't know how many, I don't know if we have very many parents who listen. I wish we did have so some more people who were just want to parents say and not educators. We do. Okay. So this is what I do know we have. We have a listener who's kind of local. He has his own podcast as well. Yeah. And uh, he just got turned on our podcast because his mom and his sister are ah. both teachers and so he said that we're in his queue now yeah. but he said he really appreciates hearing about this because he's only heard their stories to kind of like have this to back up their lives It helps yeah. him give like a glimpse yeah to like effect. the other teachers in his life like oh my god that's what happens Yeah. yeah. so anyway so so that's as we all know I think on the podcast we've talked before too about like the parents who were like um, we're going on vacation for weeks if you could um just give us uh, lesson this, the assignments yeah. for next week that'd be great and we'll have him do them over, over the uh, vacation Okay, While we're in you. Disneyland. Fuck you. You're not doing <laughs> that and I'm not getting that for you. So anyway, so this district got a directive from higher ups who um, I have. We have insider information yes. that this person who has provided this, di- this directive is has never been a teacher. Right. Like, is never not formerly actually... an in-classroom person that had boots on the ground as a teacher making lessons. So, which is just interesting because I think it goes back to that comment of the parents who've never taught a day yeah. in their life to be like, can you give me all the assignments for next week? Right. Exactly. No, I can't. I don't have those made. I don't even know what they are. Yeah. So, anyway, so the directive has been for... Everyone, for all teachers to stay at least two weeks ahead on Canvas and have everything ready to go, two weeks ahead of dated and day by day, so it's not just for the week up.
0: Okay, yikes. First of all, I'm going to skip toward the end here, but I'm going to just bring up a couple of things. If you can, excuse me, if you can get past their complete inability to speak the English language, which is very difficult to do, it's very difficult to. Not pay attention to that. Um, they actually do say a couple of really interesting things that are worth sort of breaking down here. First of all, they continue to make fun of everybody, which you've probably already heard. They make fun of administration. They make fun of parents. They make fun of students. They make fun of their fellow coworkers. <clears throat> no one has it figured out but them, and that's essentially the pro- the approach that they take the entire time. What they did say, I think, which is worth repeating, oddly enough, is that they essentially said that their entire school building and district is running on, excuse me, running on a hair trigger when it comes to going home and pulling students and staff out of class and, and going back into the online environment. I've said it in the past. I said it six plus months ago. I said, that's going to happen again. And that's essentially what they're saying. They're saying that they're consistently being told face-to-face and over email that you need to be prepared to pull the plug on your classroom teaching in the brick-and-mortar building and go back to home online learning. So keep that in mind. They also openly admitted that teachers got lazier and lazier as time went on. That the instruction, again, started to be very, very strict, and then all of a sudden it just became remarkably lax. Not unusual. I saw that happen one year ago when I was homeschooling my niece and nephew. Same exact thing. Um, They also openly admitted that they don't plan anything in advance. And then in the middle of the episode, which I'm going to skip uh, just for time's sake, is they end up using a cooking analogy – as to why they don't plan in advance and why their lessons change on a dime. And they essentially said, again, if a parent asks for lessons in advance, it's impossible for them to do that because they plan day to day. They don't even plan week to week. If you're a school teacher, you should have a consistent plan of what you're teaching when. I was at least two to three weeks in advance. I knew exactly what I was going to do, not to mention if you've already done it for an entire, entire year, basically, th- whether it be the same grade level or same subject, you should have that all calendared out anyway. You should have those lessons already ready to go and calendared out. So this business of a parent asking a question, hey, can you give me these lessons in advance or at least you know, shoot a PowerPoint presentation my way or whatever, and the teacher looks back at them and goes, no, I can't do that. I don't plan that far in advance. That's an incompetent teacher. It really is that simple. And I've advocated again in the past that when this entire thing hit the fan, you, you, it was inevitable that you were going to have teachers that just don't have websites. And if they don't have websites built, then, then parents can't communicate with them and students can't communicate with them about what's being taught, if something is due or not, whatever assignments may be handed out, whatever it is. So if a teacher just has a website, all the teacher would have to do is look to the parent and say, reference the website, it's all right there, you can click on this on this particular day, and this is what I'd like them to read, or this is what I'd like them to write, or this is what I would like them to watch and listen to, and then maybe write something about that. I I can't, again, this is where it became remarkably embarrassing, and I even brought this story up in the past where... I was interviewing at a, at a very small college in Georgia right before all of this broke loose last March and I in, in 2020. And um, they didn't even have websites for, for their own instruction, and they weren't teaching these future teachers to have websites. And I remember saying it in the interview, you're going to want to do that. You're going to want to have them have websites and learn how to build a website, which is as easy as it is typing into a Word document and just hitting save and print. I mean, building a website is not a difficult thing, but again, these are two individuals that are giving themselves away in their own podcast as being remarkably incompetent and not even planning in advance nor having a website for their parents or students to reference. Um, That's negligence. That's professional negligence. Not to mention, again, their language and and them bashing whatever else. This is all conduct on becoming of an educator. So but anyway, yeah, in the middle of the episode, they were using a, a cooking reference as if to say, um, you know, if, if a person plans out their meals for the week or something and they're cooking for their family, you know, plans change. And sometimes I need a new new ingredient or sometimes we just decide to have something else. So th- they're making an illogical comparison when it comes to what they should be teaching and on what day when and so on and so forth. So, Yeah. Um of course, their their disdain for parents themselves is remarkably unprofessional. I, I don't know where this I don't know I don't know where this mentality started of believing that teachers know more than parents do on how to teach their children. I don't know where that actually began, where, where I mean, I know where the influence began. it was Frankfurt school and whatever else, but I mean I, I don't know if there was a a breaking point or an actual time on the calendar when all of the sudden this became the thing to teach people who wanted to be teachers. You know, don't forget, young teachers, no one knows more than you do. Don't forget, young teachers, the parents are boneheads and they have no idea how to teach their own children. That's why you're the teacher and they're the parent and blah, blah, blah. I don't know where that started, but it can't be further from the truth. It really can't. I never took that approach when I taught school. I never said, I know more than the parent does. It was quite the opposite. I was always learning from the parents. I was always learning about what was going on. Now, were there some situations where I knew more than, the, more than a parent? Yeah, sure. Were there countless situations where the parent knew more than me about their child? Of course. It's inevitable. Same with the subject matter. Some of my parents were full-blown doctors. They knew more than I did about particular things um you know that's just the way that it goes but this idea that the teacher knows more always is absurd and it's remarkably unprofessional i think and it's you know it's indoctrination and brainwashing because they're believing something that's just not true okay i'm going to continue with this episode fast forward a little bit uh it gets worse believe it or not
1: for someone to micromanage in this way of saying let's see what everybody's got going on and needs to be locked and loaded for a certain amount of time Perhaps that needs to be a consideration made to teachers that have fully been placed on some form, sort of an improvement plan. Concept. Yes, I think that's different. So I know too when I used to make my lesson plans, and I would I would usually do it about a week, right. you know, and I would and they would all be still very loose, right? You know, because like we don't know what's going to change. But I would often leave my plans for Friday a little bit lighter, right. For any catch all yep. that needs to happen on always. Friday. Yep, always. Which then sometimes I felt like it might be a good teacher doing that. I'm like, no, I have to be because I have to do that because there's going to be some people who didn't. Catch all this stuff. And then when we started implementing in the last five to 10 years, the notion of like extension of due dates like, really, there's no, uh, most districts have now gone away with like a stern due date. Most people can turn in late work, late assignments. I reached the point where my Fridays were, we're going to do like 20 to 30 minutes of something. And like sometimes it would even be like a quick vocab quiz. And then after that, it's what do you still need to finish? Because if we're not holding them to a due date, guess what? They haven't done it, people. Yeah. Like, so a lot and of times people were doing. Two of the four assignments that had been done, yeah. needed to be done the last two weeks. Oh, yeah. And I think, too, that was my thing, too, when I went away from homework. I stopped signing homework. Yeah, it was more You didn't finish it at school. Finish it at home. So like, I think that's this, would, what we this got. would be a good one to round out our episode because we actually had a really great listener DM us recently when we had a post on Instagram. And the listener, it was about homework. It was relationship to, like, homework is really just an overzealous uh, instructional method that doesn't have a lot of value in real life. She made a great metaphor to say homework in the current world we're living in is really kind of like that, uh, over exhaustion of a workplace that expects more from you when you're not getting paid to do certain things. They're expecting free labor from you in a lot of ways. I hadn't thought about it that way, but that and it's and then it ingrains in us as an overworked society in America. Yeah, the idea I have to work more. Oh, I, I'm I, supposed I, to work all the time. Maybe maybe I need to answer emails at eight p.m. on a on a Tuesday night, even though I am having dinner. Yeah. because we grew up in a society that embedded in us that that was normal, and so I think you know what, that's some good food for thought yeah. for today's And And I think that really goes to why I did leave it as like, and I told parents that you will not see a lot of homework right. coming home from me. It will be anything that they have for homework is because they didn't finish it at school. Yeah. And and that I was always open to that too. Like I'm not Absolutely. having a hard due date of like by the end of this period, you got to have this turned no. in. If you didn't finish it or if you were fiddle farting around, All right, then that's yours. That's yours to do at home. Fiddle fartin is one of my favorite phrases. Mind (laughs) your fiddle fartin. You're fiddle fartin around. If some, and I know this was not one you can use in all, in like a very. Kind of like diverse group of people because some people might have some ears that they don't want to hear it, but dicking around, yeah. yeah. I'm just dicking around. Saturday going to Target, yeah. dicking around, dawdling, dawdling. I like dawdling and like I was kind of <laughs> and like, What are you talking about? I'm like, listen, just move. <laughs> all Everybody right, just keep up the move. So, does your district have a clamp on your lesson plans needing to look a certain like, way? Or right being now? ready because of like we might go to e learning yeah. for an extended period of time. We all need to be ready for it. I think, I think by this point we're all a little bit. Mentally prepared for that. So just fuck off. All right? That's what I think. I think we're all there. Oh my gosh. Okay, guys. Have a good uh, month of September. We'll see you in October. Bye. First of all, I
0: want to apologize for um well having to play that for you so that you, you know, could get a taste as to some of the individuals who are actually in charge of America's youth, so to speak. Um again, it's too easy to make fun of them. It's way too easy. So I'll do it because it's easy and it's Friday. Um, A couple of things. Number one, the business of homework. If they're not giving homework and they're not encouraging learning in the home, hence homework. Okay. I don't like the word homework because it implies that learning is work. I've never enjoyed that. Just You can call it home learning. You can just call it learning. You can just say, do this. Whatever you want to say, it doesn't matter. The whole thing's crumbling anyway, and it won't be around much longer. But the point is, is that if they don't like giving homework because it causes them to have to grade more, then they're dumb and lazy. And it's that simple. They're dumb and lazy. I would grade papers at home. I would grade papers at school. I would grade papers lots of places, lots of different times, but I always made sure that whatever I was grading was accurate and that it had a quick turnover rate. In fact, students would consistently tell me when I taught, you have the quickest return rate on, on homework assignments or quizzes or anything than any other teacher we have. It'll take weeks for us to get back a test from a teacher. You give it back to us like the very next day, two at the most. And I say, yeah, I know we have other things to do and you need to learn from what you just took and, and the assessment that we just did. And then once we're done with that, we're moving on. And the, I mean, they were always appreciative of that. So that's a compliment. I mean, I, I, the the point is, is that that's the responsibility of an effective educator. It always has been, but they're like, no, 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 no. And they just, I don't even know how somebody talks like that. They sound like, again, they sound like chipmunks chasing each other, um, or squirrels in the woods. I, I just don't, they're just dumb and lazy. That's my summary of, of these two. Um, I, I occasionally will just tune into them just to get a taste as to where their mind is on particular issues. But like I said earlier, if you can get past their cursing and you can get past um, their ineptitude, if that's a word. And if you can get past the fact that it's evident that they don't read English. Because again, the way that they speak is indicative of the fact that they don't read English out of a book. Because no one talks that way. I mean, real literate people don't speak that way. They just don't. This meow, 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 back and forth. I mean, again, I, 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 I don't, I don't know what to say. Someone married that, you know. Someone sleeps next to that. I, I can't. Uh, I don't get it. And I'm sure there are dudes out there that talk that way too. Sorry, um, you need to read more. Just read more, that's all. And then you'll actually learn the English language. But again, overall summary of of what they're saying is that if you can get past the nonsense of the way that they speak, they actually highlight a couple of things that are really going on in their district, which is interesting. That's number one. Um, Number two, everything that they do and or say in their podcast is a fireable offense they should be unemployed. They should be working at Starbucks and no longer be teachers. Again, to have a podcast called Teachers Who Drink, have that be allowed and then have them speak the way that they're speaking on their podcast, I'm sorry. It's, um, it's a fireable offense from multiple different angles. And again, if most school districts knew that they had a podcast. In particular, the districts that they that they work for, there's no way that they would be employed. They might give them a warning at first and say, "Delete your podcast immediately now. This is your first warning. This will be your last. If you speak this way publicly ever again, you're going to lose your job." And then we're going to investigate, and then we're going to shoot that investigation straight to the state level, and they'll put sanctions, or you know, they'll they'll strangle your uh, your teaching certificate. That's standard procedure and that should certainly happen with these two. Is it going to? I don't think so. Um that episode was indicative of the fact that no one's gotten to them yet. So yeah. Listen to those podcasts often enough. Again, you're going to find out where they live, where they teach, what their first and last names are. And uh anybody can anybody could call and complain. I'm not going to do that. Um I want to keep listening to their nonsense, frankly, because it's embarrassing and they are a complete embarrassment. So There you have it. When you have people who can't speak English fluently teaching children about particular things and speaking that way in a classroom setting, I'm sorry, that's not helping anything. It's making the situation a whole lot worse. Okay, now this next thing is interesting as well, and this was tossed to me by Vanessa Hurst, and again, this comes from the Nelson County School District, uh, which we have highlighted on this podcast on numerous occasions, and will continue to do so because it's it's crumbling. But I just want to paint the picture of this particular discipline form that a student received who is a friend of hers apparently or the the parents are are a friend of of hers or they know each other or something anyway at the top it says cardinal commitment form now, just very quickly back in the day little little quick history <clears throat> fun story fun fact when I was in school um I was, I would consider, uh, how would I describe myself as a student? I detested school. I'll put it that way. I loved learning. Um, I I always loved learning the truth, but I detested school. I, I didn't care for my teachers. I didn't much care for the peers and the people around me for the most part. I thought the entire environment was poisonous, which is why I became a school teacher, to try to fix all of that and to just do the exact opposite of what they were all doing. My entire time as a, as a student, I only received one detention, just one. And I didn't even do it. I didn't even, um, I didn't even need to do it because the teacher who gave it to me was an absolute monster. And he gave it to me because he thought that I was cheating. As it turns out, he had a we came into his class it was a college prep um world cultures class or social studies class something like that. I believe when I was a junior or a senior. And he uh he he thought I was cheating during a pop quiz that he gave based on the homework that we did the night before. So basically if you didn't do the homework the night before, you would fail this quiz. Well, I did the homework the night before and he said you can pull out your homework from the night before and answer all the questions and blah blah blah. I mean frankly, it's a it's a totally unprofessional move. The business of pop quizzes is an i gotcha thing. And the fact that anybody does that, I think is a complete embarrassment and totally unprofessional. I never did that as a teacher. No teacher should ever give pop quizzes. It's not fair, it's not nice, and you give yourself away as being, a, you know, a complete jerk to say the least. So he, he, he ended up thinking that I was, that I was cheating, um, and he brought me up to the front of the class while everybody was taking this quiz, and he said, come up here, and I said, okay, and I came up, and he goes, you're cheating, and I said, no, I'm not. He said, yeah, you are. I, caught you, I just caught you cheating. I caught you talking in the back of the room. I said, I was talking. I said, I wasn't cheating. He said, we're taking a quiz, and I said, I, I know we are. I said, I have the homework. I did the homework. All, my, all the answers are on my desk right now. And when I said that, all the students looked at my homework. They were all looking over at my homework, and they could see that my homework was right there. Um, It was, I mean, it was amazing, but he just just kept filling out the detention and didn't even care. He said, bring your homework up here. So I said, all right. So I brought it up, and I even showed him I had all the answers, and I did the homework. And he slashed through it and gave me like 50% off on the quiz or something. So instead of an 100%, which is what it would have been, he gave me an F. Uh, You know, a fifty percent. So he ends up saying that he's going to. uh, What did he say? He said he was. He said he was going to write me a detention for cheating. Now, as it turns out, he was breaking his own policy because a detention for cheating wasn't the punishment. The punishment, as far as his codes of conduct were concerned, he was supposed to give me a zero, not not a fifty percent, but a zero, and then not give me a detention, but actually call home and tell the parents and do all of this. He didn't do any of that. He didn't even fill out the detention form. He just, he just handed it to me and told me to sign it. And I told him I wasn't going to sign it. And then he said, well, you don't have to. I'll fill it out and you'll have to do it anyway. And I said, okay. I said, I'm not cheating. So what exactly are you writing me up for? I mean, this was the most public confrontation at the time I had ever had with any teacher ever. And I still remember it to this day, and I'm 40 years old. That should tell you something about the impact that educators have on, on, on students. Um, so he falsely accused me of cheating. And then he ended up never even turning in the detention form because he just wanted to make me wonder whether or not I had detention. Well, what he didn't know is, is that I went home and I told my parents immediately, they immediately called the school, set up a parent conference and chewed his ass out in a parent conference with the, uh, with the counselor in an absolute instant. I mean, it was amazing. And then there was more stuff that happened after that. That was all his fault too. But anyway, um, the point is, is that these detention forms, so to speak, have completely changed and become now completely communistic, filled with communistic language. So here is the Nelson County uh, commitment form, quote unquote. Again, they were just called detentions back in my day, not cardinal commitment forms. So their name and date is at the top. And then it says me and you in real big letters. And then there's a part for a student reflection, and it says what happened. And then they wrote in dress code. So we're talking about a dress code violation, quote unquote. And then it says, what led up to the situation? Explain what you were feeling at the time. So now they're interested in feelings. How were you feeling when this happened? And it says, quote, Wes Bradley only wants seniors at school for minimum amount of time. I'm here for an hour. Mom refuses. Lazy. Dress code, something like that, or a lousy dress code. I'm reading that last word wrong. Um, Wes Bradley, of course, is the superintendent. Then it says, "Who was there?" Question mark. How did your actions or action affect your community? How do they feel? So they're they're trying to get the student to consistently reflect, quote unquote, on how they're making other people feel about what it is that they were doing. Here's what she wrote. She said, quote, My American Eagle hoodie distracted everyone in Cardinal Crew from filling out club forms. So she's wearing an American Eagle hoodie. And I got clarification on this. Apparently in this school district, you're not allowed to wear any hoodie whatsoever unless... It's school propaganda ho- It's a school propaganda hoodie. So it's a hoodie that you buy from the school that has all the school logos and school sayings on it. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. You can't actually wear artic- very specified articles of clothing, a hooded sweatshirt, for Christ's sake, in the middle of the day. And of course, it's getting colder out and people are wearing layers. But you can't wear one Unless it's the school-sanctioned uh, propaganda-laden label-covered attire, it's it's absolutely nuts. And then the next sentence says, and the next question they ask is, "How can you fix it?" Question mark. What needs to occur to make reparations? They actually use the word reparations. And then she wrote, my mom said direct all concerns to Wes Bradley, exclamation point. It's absolutely hilarious. I love that. And then, of course, there's a a three box section below that that's called self-assessment. And then they want you to check something out, you know, check one of these boxes. Description of event, impact on self and others, and restoration. And then the teacher has to sign it, the student has to sign it, and the parent has to sign it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um just to review on this particular form again, the communistic words that are used from bottom to top, restoration, reparations, all these feelings, and then of course the word community and reflection. It's just nonsense. If somebody got in trouble back in the day, it was for something that actually mattered. I mean, it was for something that was actually serious you punch this person in the face, you're gone, you're suspended. You brought drugs to school, you're suspended. If you cheated, that was either detention or or not, not where I was anyway, not where I grew up anyway. But the point is, is that the policies are different for different people. But here, they're actually telling you that you cannot wear A basic article of clothing that countless people wear that's completely appropriate, but because it doesn't have the school logos written all over it, it's inappropriate. That's where we are now as a society in these schools. That's, That's what's going on. That's deemed the important issue. Now, with that aside, but still in the exact same kind of vein, I was also tossed this by one of my local school insiders. And this, uh, this particular story, and I, she's been telling me about this for quite some time and sending me pictures, and now it made its way to the local uh, Miami University student paper. And it's titled this, Talawanda High School Students Rewrite Dress Code. So very quickly, um, she's referred to this group of girls within, within the local high school where I live as sort of the Antifa girls. They go around school, there's a ringleader, they're shouting their opinions everywhere else, and then they write messages on post-it notes, and then they litter the school with these post-it notes, trying to um, persuade people to think a particular way or do particular things. Some of that can be effective, most of it's not, but in this particular case, it's kind of a combination of both. And then, of course, the administrative response is the worst response you could possibly imagine because what you're doing is is you're acquiescing to the student's demands. And then the inmates end up running the asylum. So what they're doing, here's an example of one of the notes that's at the top of this article. It says, quote, and this was written by one of the girls and then taped somewhere. It says, we go to a school where the length of our shorts and thickness of our bra, of our straps is more important than our education? Question mark. And then it says, preach exclamation point, exclamation point. So here's the article. <clears throat> it says, quote, after feeling fed up with dress code and inconsistencies and punishments allotted according to body type. Again, keep in mind, it's a university newspaper. So it always has this just ridiculous left slant. Um, it continues. A group of, of girls at Talawanda High School decided that it was time for things to change. The young woman put up posters in the hallways and and stuck Post-it notes on paper towel dispensers, mirrors, and lockers, bearing messages like "We go to school for blah blah blah," and instead of shaming for people, instead of shaming people for their bodies at school, teach people that others are not sexual objects. And then it says Haley Wright, a senior at Talawanda High School, uh, has been the main student organizer opposing the district's dress code. She said the situation escalated after another student started removing their messages. Quote, we kept putting them back up and and they kept being taken down. So eventually it got out of hand and they began to write on the walls with Sharpie. Which is not at all what we intended or wanted, she said. Uh, the school hadn't really said much about it except for readdressing the existing dress code. And then, of course, it's vandalism, which means they should be suspended. Um, they should be charged with a crime because vandalism is a crime. Doesn't matter where it happens. And then they should be forced to clean it up. They should be fined, court fined. There should be, um... It's disorderly conduct and vandalism. Again, we're talking about serious misdemeanors here. Um vandalism, of course, can carry heavier heavier punishments. But this is the problem when you have these kinds of behaviors occurring in a school and yet the judicial system doesn't actually get a hold of these people and, and actual criminal charges aren't pressed against these people. If if that were to happen in all schools, you would have less vandalism, less crime in school buildings. But They act as their own police departments, and that's when everything caves in. Now, here's where this really caved in. Um, Holly Morish, the Talawanda's Director of Communication and Public Relations, wrote in an email to the Miami student that she supported the students' movements. Quote, Empowering people is a strong theme in our school district, and I think conversations, communication around student needs and concerns is very important. Morish wrote, quote, it's critical that students have opportunities to use their voices and be understood and heard. I think the opportunity for students to weigh in on the dress code is a great learning opportunity for everyone involved. And as, a, a, and as young people, that will be emerging into an adult world soon. This is a great practice for the future. I think this will be an exercise in respectful dialogue negotiation and how to communicate effectively regarding issues that are close to our students' hearts. Blah, 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 blah. So again, the adult in the situation, the adult administrator is allowing this to happen. Cutting excuses for their illegal behavior and letting them get away with it. What do they actually think is going to happen in the future? Which, by the way, if they did any of those things in the quote-unquote real world, as she loves to reference apparently, vandalism, as I just said, is a crime. If you don't dress the appropriately for a workplace, you get fired. That's how that works. So, preparing them for what? A real world of making excuses for... Unethical and uncivil behavior and illegal behavior, I'm sorry. You're setting a bad example. And this is, again, what happens when the inmates run the asylum and when students can actually control the adults that are supposed to be dropping the hammer. If they don't drop the hammer appropriately and rewrite these rules, I mean, my God. So let me give you a perfect example of real discipline and something that actually is a good thing. The very individual who sent me that article um, is also in charge of monitoring particular students who break the rules. I'll just put it that way. And this one particular individual, again, uh, well, well, one of these other students, I should say, found their way um, under the supervision of this particular instructor, and their mother sent them with, sent this particular student who stole money, $35 from, from their mother. So they ended up sending the student to school with a Bible and they told the student all day long that the, and it wasn't the teachers telling the student this, it was the parent telling the student to do this during school, um, during suspension or wherever they were, that they needed to copy down 35 Bible quotes and then memorize them. See, that's real discipline. And of the individuals that I worked with in the past, those were the kinds of things that they would have students do who got in trouble. They wouldn't have them fill out these nonsense reflection communistic cards about how did everybody feel in the situation? And there certainly weren't administrators back where I was that would make excuses for this kind of behavior and say the things like, maybe we just need to talk and communicate better with these students and see what's really bothering them, why they felt the need to write their messages on Sharpie marker, on the tiles in the bathrooms, and blah, blah, blah. It, it wasn't any of this negotiation. It was, you do this because I told you to do it. You do this because you have to do this, and you're not leaving here until you do it. That right there is discipline. That's exactly what's supposed to happen. Because again, a lack of discipline and a lack of following through on discipline when, when you're older and an adult and you're doing this with someone who is younger, is only going to lead to an undisciplined child who becomes an undisciplined adult. It really is that simple. With no discipline as a minor and as a youth, they will become an undisciplined adult. A chi- uh, um, I've said it in the past. What is it? An adult baby. They just become an adult baby. That's what ends up happening. So again, or, you know, they end up being a lawbreaker because there's no discipline and they're not thinking and they don't become a critical thinker because, well, there was no discipline when they were younger. So the list is really endless when it comes to the ramifications of what happens when there's no discipline. So there's that. And thank you both again for both of those. They tied together perfectly. And it really is, again, more examples of the dumbing down of American education and uh, making excuses for behavior and even in, again, it's just, they're, they're two perfect examples on opposite ends of the spectrum. The, the Miami article and then the Nelson County Discipline Forum. If you're disciplining somebody, again, for wearing clothes that are appropriate, that's insane. And again, if you're if you're not pressing charges against individuals who are vandalizing your school, that's insane. Okay, next. Just a couple of headlines here from earlier in the week, just a couple of days ago. This first one came from the Gateway Pundit. I'm not going to read the entire article because in in this particular case, the headline hits the nail right on the head. And it says, update federal judges say New York City can impose vaccine mandate on school employees, lawyers representing teachers to petition the United States Supreme Court. We'll see where that goes. We'll definitely have to keep an eye on that one and see where it goes. Certainly interesting. Um... Again, they they want all of the, they want all the employees jabbed and they want, excuse me, all of the students jabbed. So one of the things that I've brought up on Gab, and I think it's kind of interesting, in particular given the fact that we're at war, is they're really hitting the coastal states very hard with these mandates. And that the adults get jabbed in all lines of work. And that the students get jabbed. In all schools. Why would that be? Because we've brought up in the past the illegal immigration that's taking place. And the immigrant replacement within the workforce topic. That's certainly been brought up here. Uh, Again, the New Mexico teacher, same thing. You have foreigners being school teachers where American teachers don't want to be teachers. So they hire foreigners, and they bring them in from the Philippines or South American countries and XYZ. And I've worked with some of those individuals in the past, too, when I taught in Florida. They couldn't speak a lick of English, but there they were. Uh, and they didn't last very long because of the, uh, the parental complaints. So I just find it interesting, again, from a battlefield warfare kind of place, that this is happening big time. Within coastal states. Um, I think there's way more nefarious things at play here, but I just wanted to I wanted to bring that up. Here's another one. Um, this comes from the expose.uk and it's titled Investigation: Deaths Among Teenagers Have Increased by 47% in the UK since they started getting the COVID-19 vaccine, according to official ONS data. In fact, If you listen closely enough to these politicians, that's exactly what they're saying. They're now openly admitting it, that the hospitals are filled with the jabbed and that the jabbed are the ones that are coming down with COVID in in droves and in just massive numbers as opposed to the unjabbed. We've known this for months and months and months. This isn't new to us, but there's no hiding it now. I mean, there really isn't. And it's just becoming more and more blatantly obvious. Um, Here's the next one. And this has to do, this comes from governmentjobs.com. And I think it's slash Washington State slash whatever. It's the Washington Department of Health website under their job opportunities. Again, not making this up. I put this out on GAP. It's a job opportunity opportunity that is titled Isolation and Quarantine Team Consultants. And you can make $3,294 to $4,286 every month. And then it says the location is Lewis County, Washington, Department of Health, full-time to non-permanent. And then closing is just continuous. Benefits, questions, etc., etc. They're setting up quarantine camps, ladies and gentlemen, in Washington State, and they're hiring people now to basically monitor these quarantine camps. I'm not making this up. This is actually happening. This is a real thing. This is actually going on. And an excellent patriot who communicates with me on a regular basis on Gab brought this question up. They basically said, how many illegals are they going to hire for these positions? And I thought, yeah, how many? I bet it's a bunch. I bet it's a bunch. Of course, they're going to hire Americans as well and American citizens, but goodness gracious. You have an entire state now in the United States setting up quarantine camps and paying a boatload of money for people to work there and monitor these camps and basically do whatever they're told to do. Now, you know, they have to be masked and they have to be jabbed to probably work there. At least that's what they're telling people, but it's absolutely horrific. Um, okay. A couple more things. Number one, just sort of broadly, Pfizer is, is rushing the jab for, um, for children five to 11. They're speeding it up. It's getting even faster, and they're saying either by today, Friday, or by next week, um, they'll have something approved potentially for ages five to eleven. I can't stress it enough. You've got to get on the horn and on the phone, and, you know, with countless people here, um, if they have children and you suspect that they're going to be jabbing their children, because. Parents will, and then they're going to wonder why their children are dead, or they're going to wonder why their children have all of these adverse reactions and all these horrific side effects. And then they're going to wonder why their children can't have children when they get older. So it's not a secret, Um, but that's that's the next biggest push because, again, we know that they want the children, and they've always wanted them. Again, I highlighted this in, in the compilation book series, The Storm, that I put together, which again is available on, on my website if you're interested. There are still some paperbacks available on, uh, on Amazon. But thousands and thousands and thousands of Americans were contributing to that. And I was pulling all of these comments and these stories and you know these, these trains of thought from endless Americans and people around the world. And one of the first things in the very first volume that was consistently brought up on these anonymous online chat boards on the internet again was just they're coming for the kids, and we've known this for a very long time. they're never going to stop with adults. they want to burn the candle at both ends, and the faster that that these Satanists can do that, the better for them, the worse for us, unless of course we know what's coming so here's the last thing I wanted to bring up, but it's again in the same vein, and my aunt sent me this, and it's a hundred percent incredible because. It's just blatant propaganda and word word manipulation and word misuse misusage from a corporate standpoint, which is going to trick countless people. It's an entire Walgreens ad, and I'm going to read the entire thing from top to bottom and describe it. So Walgreens, you've seen their logo. It's in red. And then it says this in a purple box with a black doctor wearing a, Black female doctor wearing a, a, a white lab coat, and it says, COVID-19 update. CDC approves Pfizer-BioNTech booster vaccine for some. Here's what you need to know. Do you, see the wor- do you hear the word manipulation there? First of all, the CDC doesn't approve shots for anybody. That's not what they get to do. They're a private entity. They're a a criminal entity, but they don't get to approve anything for anybody. That's the FDA. Now, the FDA is equally as guilty in these crimes against humanity as anybody else. But for someone to say, well, the CDC approved it, so I guess that means it's okay for me. Someone's going to read that and believe it. And then they're going to get their jab. And then it says, for some, approves... For The booster vaccine for some, of course, it's not a vaccine, but again, it causes the individual to walk up, the adult, the, the, the brain dead sheep will walk up and say, well, who's some? Can I get one? I want one. And then they get it. And then they fall over dead and they wonder why. So it says, again, here's what you need to know. So let's see what we need to know. Let's see what they, let's see what Walgreens tells us. Who is eligible and when? checkmark. It says, quote, the CDC recommends a booster dose for fully vaccinated people who received their second dose of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine at least six months ago. Healthy and eligible requirements include ages 65 and up, long-term care facility residents ages 18 and up. That means, again, all nurses. Oh, my God. It says individuals aged 50 to 64 with underlying medical conditions, individuals ages 18 to 49 with underlying medical conditions based on individual benefit and risk. And then it says individuals aged 18 to 64 who are at an increased risk of COVID 19 exposure and transmission because of occupational or, institution or institutional setting, such as healthcare and essential workers based on individual benefit and risk. Point being, they want to kill the sick, they want to kill the elderly. That's what this is. It's a kill program it's a depopulation program. It can't get any more blatant. And they want teachers jabbed because they are considered to be the quote-unquote, um, oh, what did they call them? Essential. I saw a post earlier that said they wanted all the essential workers. Yeah, healthcare and essential workers. So if you're around a lot of people, they want you to get these jabs. Ladies and gentlemen. The end's not going to be for everybody here. It just won't. The next box, it says, check mark, why should I get a booster? Quote, like many vaccines, immunity can decrease over time. A booster shot is designed to continue providing long-term protection and reduce risk of hospitalization. That is a lie. Both sentences there are a lie. They want you addicted to the jabs. They want you addicted to drugs, not your own God-given immune system. And again, for the people that have not figured this out yet, it's too late. The next checkbox again says, "What if I got the Moderna and Johnson and Johnson vaccine?" It says, quote, "Right now, boosters are only recommended for patients who completed their Pfizer vaccine series and... Meet the current eligibility criteria. Updates on a Moderna and Johnson & Johnson booster shot will be provided in the future. If you're eligible for a booster shot or need another vaccine appointment, schedule now. And then it's got this ad, uh, which they all have, and it says, Earn $5 Walgreens cash rewards for every vaccine you get at Walgreens. Your vaccination destination. Save a trip. Get your free COVID-19 and flu vaccines in one visit. That's right. Jab yourself to the bone in one visit with poison that doesn't work and is intended to kill you. But you'll get $5 off of any purchase there. I don't know what else to say. It's in our faces. All the time, constantly. So much so, in fact, I'm going to wrap up the episode with this. Drove around the university campus the other day, did a little recon. I like to do some reconnaissance trips, count some heads, put my eyes on particular things, and see what's going on. The lack of students on Miami University's campus is astounding. It's astounding. Now, I've heard that there's lots of students at Miami University, in particular in their freshman class. I don't know about that because, again, it doesn't pass the eye test. When I'm walking, when I I don't walk around, but when I'm driving around the campus and I'm looking around, I'm seeing so few students, it's blatantly obvious, not to mention the parking spaces that are available. When I went to school here, there were students everywhere, all the time. Thousands and thousands and thousands, out and about, all the time. And I've made these observations at multiple times a day, different, different times. So it's not just, you know, right at the beginning of when a class might be scheduled, but in between classes, because those times haven't really changed. They're all generally the same. There's an 8.30 class, there's a 10 class, there's a noon class, and then a few classes in between and so on and so forth through the afternoon. But it doesn't matter the time when you're when you're when you're driving around you can see countless students walking around not seeing them. There are students walking around but it's in the hundreds. It's in the it's in the maybe few hundreds max. It used to be in the thousands. And some of them are wearing masks and most aren't. Um came across one interesting thing it was a professor wearing a mask he's standing in the road and his students are sitting on the curb and there were only five students there. Now, I don't know the entire context of the, uh, of the class, but it was clearly a graduate student or somebody teaching a class, and the students looked totally disinterested, like they hated the person, couldn't stand the class, couldn't stand what was going on. And the dude was just kind of riffing, and he's just talking and whatever else. And I'm saying to myself, first of all, take the mask off. Second of all, can't you see the looks on the faces of these students? They clearly hate you. And then thirdly, do you only have five students? Because again, regardless of the course and regardless of the major, at the very least, my college classes had 25 students in them each. And again, it didn't matter the major, all the way up to like 200 students in a lecture course. The numbers aren't there. That's the point. The numbers aren't there. And Miami University, again, is just one campus and they're all over the place that are mandating the jabs until... Uh, November, I believe. November's when everybody, if you're going to be here, you have to be jabbed. It's, it's crumbling, ladies and gentlemen, and it's about to fall right in front of our eyes. So head on a swivel, keep paying attention to what's going on. Remember, next week they're coming for the kids with these jabs, and more and more public schools are going to start demanding, K-12 public schools are going to start demanding that the jabs be mandatory for students to attend these schools. You'd better start looking things up and making preparations to pull your children out. I'm telling you, I'm not the only person on this wavelength. I know that. I'm not the only person saying this or thinking this, but it's coming. So keep that in mind. God bless. Have a great weekend. Don't forget to check out the uh, Bitchute channel from time to time, and we'll talk Monday. Take care. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.